read Psalms 133. <clears throat> Psalms 133, and I want to really encourage you to, um, to bring your Bible, make sure that you have your Bible on your phone so that we can access the Word together. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, the King James Version, and cisterns <laughs> to dwell together. Everybody say together. Everybody say together. In unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. This morning, my sermon is entitled, Better Together, Better Together. You see, the truth is, in life, we all want to see things get better. So if we want to look better, we exercise because we want to get better. If we want to feel better, we eat well so that we can feel better. If we want to get better at playing an instrument, we practice more so that we can get better at playing that instrument. If we want a better marriage, we work on our marriage so we can have a, a better marriage. Whatever it is, the truth is, we all want to get better. And better is really important because better is something that we all want to achieve to. And if we do these things, we're going to get better. But better alone isn't always better. <laughs> better alone isn't always better. And in God's word, there's something we all need to be fully convinced about. You see, we as people, we as Christians, we as believers, we as the body of Christ, we can get better, but we're only going to experience certain things from God when we get better together. And if there's one thing that the early church was convinced about is that they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that they were only better together. And because everything gets better when the Holy Spirit comes, they wanted to preserve being better together. In fact, we've been talking about access. We've been talking about codes. And we said that a code is either a set of numbers or words that give us access to something. And if you remember last week, we talked about code blue, that we've got a code blue, that, that we've got to really join together to help our, the next generation because if we don't help the next generation, we're in big trouble. And if you didn't see that sermon, didn't hear that sermon, I would recommend that you download it, you listen to it, because I want you to know that there's a generation that is arising that is looking to us that are older and more seasoned to pour into their life so that they can have access to all that God wants them to have in their life. And so we've been talking about having access. And if there's one thing that I can see that the early church did is somehow they had access to the very power, the very miracle-working power of God in their life. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that these same disciples, they gathered together in the upper room. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord. In other words, they were in one Honda, and that's a big Honda. And, and the Bible tells us that they were all of one mind, of all of one purpose, of one heart. And the Bible says suddenly there was as like a sudden mighty rushing wind it came into the house and all of them were filled with the presence of God. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were anointed by God. All of them experienced God in a fresh and new way. Now the truth is all through the Old Testament, even in the church today, we're not seeing what they experienced in that day. In so many ways, we yearn to see the power of God come the way they saw it. And in the Old Testament, they can only look and they can only listen to the prophecies that there's coming a day. In the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You're going to experience my presence in such an incredible way that it's going to change the world. And so these 120 young people, these 120 people that were in the upper room gathered together, they were of one mind one accord, and they experienced something that was so world-changing, so life-changing, that they literally changed the course of history. They had access to the presence of God. They had access to the anointing of God. They had access to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the key to that access was unity. I believe the reason why the Holy Spirit felt so comfortable coming on that day and anointing them and being a part of their presence, being a part of their community, was because they were all aligned together. You see, we cannot experience God, we cannot experience the presence of God, we cannot experience the anointing of God unless we're all aligned together and the Spirit of God feels so comfortable that He comes and rests among us. Why? Because we are in unity with one another. The Bible tells us that they were in one accord. Now, that Greek word for one accord actually is hamoth o meden. And this is what it means. It, it's an actually a, a, a compound word. And the word actually means of one mind. It means of one purpose. It means they had all the same passion. This is a unique Greek word. And it's actually used 10 times out of the 12 times in the New Testament. And it's used in the book of Acts. And it really helps us to understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. Listen to me. This word in the Greek is a compound word for two words that actually means, listen to me, to rush alongside of or being union with one another. It actually has this image of a harmony, of a symphony, of all these different instruments and all these different people that are singing one song together, playing one song together, each having their distinct um, uh, jobs and functions, and yet when they come together, they know the songs so well and they know their parts so well and they're willing to come all together to do it together that they have what is called harmony or they're in 
one accord. So they were in one accord. They were connected together. They were so connected together. They were so aligned together that the presence of the Holy Spirit came. God came in such a powerful way that the Bible says that the people around them, they saw something different. And as a result of that, they came to hear. They came to hear what was happening. And Peter preached his first sermon. And the Bible says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And this body of believers, this community of believers, they were so excited about what God was doing that they weren't going to risk having access to the presence of God, so they made sure that they stayed in one accord. Notice verse 42. After the Holy Spirit comes, after Peter preaches a sermon, after there is a church that is put together by the Spirit of God. Notice what happens in verse 42. And the Bible says, as a result of that, there were many other words that, that Peter warned. Verse 40, he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. You know what baptism is? Baptism, water baptism, is symbolic of the new life. But it's also symbolic of the initiation. The Bible says we're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So it's actually an initiation into the family. So when we baptize people, the people of God are saying, I am now communicating my faith and I want to be recognized as a part of the community of believers. And that's why it was done open in the public. That's why I want to encourage you that if you've never been water baptized, we're baptizing people in Long Beach. Amen. Why do we do it in Long Beach? Because the waves are so bad, they're so high, that we just, you know, if it's a heavy person, we just let them go with the wave and then pick them back up again. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that, that these people were committed. Notice what it says. It says, and, 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 and Peter said, and those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the church. Notice, notice verse 42. They then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to Grow University. They devoted themselves to learning and growing under the leadership of the church. They weren't outside. They weren't starting their little Bible studies all over the place. They were devoted to leadership in the church. They were devoted to headship. Why? Because they knew that there was going to be false doctrine happening all over. And people were going to think they, were, they knew what they were talking about. And they wanted a covering. Listen to me. You need to be under spiritual covering. You need to be under spiritual covering because the enemy is going to send wolves in sheep clothing. And they're out there to deceive you and lie to you. That's how cults start. That's how discord starts and division starts when we get outside of the covering. So the Bible says they were committed to the apostles' teaching. Hmm? Then they were committed to fellowship. We're going to talk about that word fellowship. And the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they were committed to teaching. They were committed to learning the word under the apostles' teaching. They were committed to prayer, and they were committed to fellowship. Now, that word fellowship in the Greek is a very powerful word. The word is koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. There you are. You're filled with the Spirit now. No, I'm just kidding. Koinonia. Okay? That word koinonia is a very powerful word. The word koinonia is a word that expresses true fellowship, association, community, and communion. 
And so we get that word community, communion, and unity, and we put it together, and we are united with one another as we commune with one another. That word commune is a very powerful word. It's not just about eating, but it does have an understanding that we come and sup together. There is something powerful about eating with people, isn't it? I mean, it's powerful when you sit down at the table together and you begin to fellowship with one another. And that word actually, koinonia, is a powerful word because it's not only talking about communion, communing with one another and being in unity, but that word actually means in the Greek intercourse. And so it's not just a sexual word, intercourse, but actually intercourse means being, being brought together, becoming one together. And so they believed with all their heart that God knit them together and they became one family. They became one community. They became one group of people that were committed deeply, deeply devoted to the apostles' teaching. Deeply, deeply devoted to praying together. Deeply, deeply devoted to serving and reaching people together. Deeply, deeply devoted to eating together and fellowshipping together and doing life together. Everybody say together. And the Bible says in verse 44, and all believers were together. Everybody say together. Verse 40, 44, they were together and they had everything in common. Wow. They shared their weeping in common. They shared their joys in common. They shared their struggles in common. They shared their victories in common. They shared their battles together. They did everything. They had all things in common. They had one Lord, one Savior, one Master, one church, one body, one community. And they did all things together in common. And as a result of that, the Bible says the Lord kept on adding to their number. They, they had so many things in common that the Bible says they loved each other so much that when one person had a need, they shared with that person. In fact, they were so courageous that they actually sold properties. And they said, look, I've got extra this and I've got extra that. And let's give it to that sister because that sister lost her husband or, or that brother lost his wife or whatever it may be. And we need to gather around that family. And we need to love that family and be a community to that family. And it was so attractive. It was so attractive to the world. Why? Because the world had never seen that before. And friend, I want to suggest to you today that the world still needs to see that. It needs to see that in the church. It needs to see that we care about each other. We love one another. And we are there and we fight with each other and we cry with each other and we laugh with each other. And we learn together. Why? Because we're better together. And let me suggest to you that when the world begins to see that, they're going to get jealous in a good way of what we have. And they're going to want it. They're going to want what we have. You know, I have a great, great dear friend of mine. He's sitting in this room today. And it's a great story. It's a story about him coming to visit our one group. And we had been doing one group for a couple of months. And he came and he was of another faith. And, uh, and uh, he came and sat down and had dinner with us. And while we were having dinner with one another, he came over to me after the meeting and he said, I, I, Pastor Steve, this is just a great, great meeting. Can I come back next month again? And I thought to myself, that's what it's all about. Just loving people, respecting people, but loving one another. 
and being so attractive, not doing it out of trying to persuade people in a, in a manipulative way, but just being the church, being the family of God. Well, this man kept on coming each week and, uh, or each month, and now he's a member of our church. He comes to our church every Sunday morning. Why? Because he saw something, I hope. I hope, and he, I hope he continues to see that in us, right? Because that's what it's about. You know, we're not going to convince people that we're Christians by studying our word and not loving one another. We're not going to convince people that we've got the real deal when we're fighting over what this, what this says and what this says and we're fighting about this or that or we're divided from one another and we don't care about each other. We're going to convince the world that Christ is real, that Christ lives in our hearts, that Christ is the answer. As Jesus said, they'll know you by your love and your care and your compassion one for another. We'll convince the world that we've got the real deal when we start living like the real community. Come on, somebody. And that's radical. It's radically opposed to what the world tells us. But these believers were so convinced that they were better together. They were so convinced that when the Holy Spirit came, everything got better. When the Holy Spirit came, their learning of the word got better. When the Holy Spirit came, their communication got better. When the Holy Spirit came, their working got better. Their serving got better. Their witness got better. Their relationships got better. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was so strong and so powerful and so prevalent and so absolutely unique in their community that they said, we can't mess this up. We've got to preserve the unity of the faith so that the Holy Spirit will always feel welcome in this place. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is only welcome in a place where the Word of God is taught, where the Word of God is taught and where people of God are in unity with one another. And so they wanted to preserve that. Why? Because they believed with all their heart that they were better together. Listen to me. God's Holy Spirit only comes. He only anoints. He only blesses. And He only abides where there is unity. In the early church, they knew it. They were convinced of it, and they did everything to keep unity so the Holy Spirit could continue to abide with them. And my friend, I am deeply convinced that God wants again to send his Holy Spirit. He wants to send revival. He wants to be welcome in this church, in our community, in such a powerful way that he will begin to do signs and wonders in ways that we've never seen before. That he will begin to touch our neighbors he will begin to save the lost. He will begin to deliver drug addicts and alcoholics and people that are bound and people that are hurting and broken. He wants to bring such healing. And he wants to start with us. And he wants us to be that community. Why? Because we are better together. Because when we really understand that, then number one, I want you to write this down. Our worship is better together. Now, the truth of the matter is some people might say, well, well, why can't I worship by myself? You know, there are people that have come to the church and they've been totally turned off by the church. Totally turned off by the church. I mean, it's crazy. But the truth is some churches, they're so divided with one another. They're so bigoted. They're so narrow-minded. Now, I'm not talking about living by the word, loving the word. 
I, 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 let me tell you something. I, I know what God's word says about family. I know what God's word says about sexuality. I know what God's word says about the unborn. I know what God's word says about sin. And we need to live by those things. And we need to respect and we need to refuse to, to be conformed to the world. We, 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 we don't hate people. We love all people. We love them so much that we tell them the truth. We love them so much that we don't agree with everything the world has to tell us. That's not, that's not tolerance. That's ignorance. That's not tolerance. That's dangerous. I would never drink something if somebody said, listen, I put a little poison in here, but you, you need to love me and you need to respect me by drinking that. There's no way, right? And so, so we need to recognize that we are better together in worship. You know, the Bible tells us that as we gather together in worship and we do it together, God's presence comes to live with us. Jesus said it this way. He said, where two or three gather together in my name, I am there in your midst. Wow. So as we gather together together in unity, not just gathering together in a group. You know, you could have a group, but they're not in unity. I've been in some groups, and Jesus was not welcome in that group, right? Because there was only hatred in that group. There was division in that group. But he says, when you come together in agreement, two people can't walk together lest there be in agreement. And so we have to agree, sometimes to disagree. We've got to agree to love one another no matter what, respect one another, work through our differences, even if it's a doctrinal difference. We sit down. We don't go running and gossiping and try to pull people away from the group because, well, I don't agree with what they said about this or that. No, we go to the leadership. We sit down with the leadership. We talk in love with one another. We bring correction. Why? Because we're not going to know it all. We're not going to understand it all. Why? Because if we did, we would be God, right? That's why we need to protect one another. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to make sure that when we're feeling something, sensing something, we do the right thing. We go to the right people. We speak the truth in the right way. We don't cause division. We don't have little subgroups talking bad about the leadership or talking bad about other Christians. But we preserve the unity of the faith. And we do it in love. Come on, somebody. And when we do that, then we can come together in worship. And we're, we're in agreement with one another. And so the Bible tells us that we worship better together. Romans 15 verse 5 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in, in accord with Christ Jesus that together, everybody say together, that together you may be, listen to what he says, one voice. There it is. There is the illustration of koinonia, fellowship. Being in one accord, that when we are one and we are loving each other and even working through our differences and even making sure that we're working through our differences in a biblical way, we can then speak with one voice to the world. The voice of the world is so loud. It screams at us. We need to scream back to the world and say we're one. Hallelujah. We love each other. We care about each other. We take care of each other. We take care of our differences in the house of the Lord in a way that is commendable and honorable and respectful. So we speak one voice. That's what he says. So that together you may speak one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so why are we better together in worship? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we represent Christ in such a multifaceted way 
in which when we gather together, we all bring to the, 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 the community of Christ, we bring the fruit of the Spirit in its diversity, and we bring the working and the manifestation of the Spirit in its working all together. You know why? Because here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the Holy Spirit comes to the body of Christ, and He gives to each one, as He wills, several gifts. But I don't have all the gifts. You know, I want to tell you right now, I am imbalanced. I don't have a perfect balance in my life. Without you, I am imbalanced. 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 Why? Because I have a certain gift of the Spirit. And so that's my predominant gift. So when I operate as a Christian, I operate in that gift. But there's all kinds of gifts in the body of Christ. There's administrative gifts. There are supernatural gifts. There are leadership gifts. And when you take and put it all together, you make a dynamic understanding of the body of Christ in a beautiful way. We communicate the body of Christ with one voice. Amen? But not only do we do that with the fruit of the Spirit or the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, what we do it with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of the Spirit, is love, peace, joy. How many of you at times struggle to have peace in your life? Let me see your hands. Come on. Let's be honest. Come on. Yeah. Most of us in this room. Right? How many of you have a bad week from time to time? Let me see your hand. How many of you are having a bad week right now? How many are having a bad moment right now? <laughs> you better not. You're listening to me preach. But the fruit of the Spirit is so powerful that the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? And there are times when I'm going through such a difficult time that the enemy's trying to steal my peace. Life is trying to steal my peace. And I come together into the house of God. That's why the Bible says don't forsake gathering together so that you can encourage one another and spur one another on. You know that word encourage means put courage back into and so I can come into this place dragging myself into the church. Man, I'm feeling bad about my life. Man, I'm feeling bad about my situation. And man, I'm letting the enemy get the best of me. And we shouldn't. And we should know the word. And we should be strong. And we should have the shield of faith. But all of us at some time or another, we're going to get weak in our life. But man, then I've got a brother. I've got a brother who's going through a really good time and a good season in his life. And he's filled with the joy of the spirit in his life. And I come and we lock arms together. And where I'm weak, he's strong so that I can feed off of him a little bit and he can feed off of me. We become one together and we're walking together. Why? Because we're better together. And when we worship together and then we begin to fight together, we stand against the enemy together so that we can all be a part of the body of Christ, doing the work of God in a wonderful way. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. Yes, sir. That leads me to the second point. Not only do we worship better together, but we fight better together. We fight better together. And man, we've got a real enemy, and the enemy is not the person sitting next to you. <laughs> Don't look at your husband right now. The enemy's not, a, he, he is, he's the enemy, the devil himself, who's coming against your life. And you know what Ecclesiastes says? Ecclesiastes, listen to me. I want, to, I want to say it in a very theologically deep way, okay? E Ecclesiastes actually echoes Mr. T. Remember Mr. T? Mr. T said, I pity the fool. <laughs> and it echoes Rocky Balboa. Remember Rocky Balboa? Hey, listen, you're going to fall down, you know what I mean? 
So let's put that together and be very theologically deep, right? Mr. T and Rocky Balboa, hey, yo, in life, you're going to fall down. I pity the fool who falls down and has nobody to pick him up. That's doctrinally sound. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, pity the man who goes about life all by himself because when he falls down, he'll have no one to pick him up. Come on, somebody. He said, a man by himself is going to be a target for his enemy. But the Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 2,000 to flight, 10,000 to flight. Listen to me. It becomes exponential when we gather together and we recognize we've got one enemy. It's not the person sitting next to you. We've got an enemy. He's the devil himself. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your kids. And let me tell you, you're no match for the devil all by yourself. But let me tell you, greater is he that lives inside of you than he that lives in the world. And the Bible says when, when you you come together with another believer, it becomes exponential, and we can fight the enemy. We can fight philosophies of this world. We can fight discouragement. We can fight whatever's coming against us, but we've got to do it together. Together. Because Rocky Balboa says, hey, you take two guys and you put them together, or you take three guys and you got a threefold cord, and a, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Man. It just, it just boggles my mind to think that somebody can honestly believe that they can worship God alone. Christians do that all the time. They get turned off with the church. So the, they, make the, the, they make the TV their, their church, the couch their community, and they think they can worship God all by themselves. Well, let me tell you something. Even if that TV preacher is an awesome preacher, he's not coming to visit you in the hospital. Your fellow warrior is going to be there for you. Your fellow soldier is going to be there for you because we fight better together. James chapter 4 verse, or 5 verse 14 says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for his brothers, his elders in the church, the community, the koinonia, and let them come and pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Listen, we fight the devil better together. We fight discouragement better together. We fight temptation better together. We fight fear better together. We fight doubt and unbelief better together. We fight sickness and disease better together. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, touching anything, agreeing upon it, it shall be done we serve better together I mean I'm just blown away by all of the things that we've been able to accomplish as a church together you know we support over a hundred different missions and ministries around the world and at home and I get the opportunity from time to time to travel to other countries and and dedicate buildings and churches and and go and celebrate like going to Jamaica and celebrating as a team of us went in 1989, I believe it was, 1990, and we built a building there, and it was a beautiful building, and recently they got another piece of property, and so we helped build another building, and we went to dedicate that building, and just recently I went to Cuba, and we're building 10 churches in Cuba, and I was able to dedicate a church, two churches, and see two other churches that we're building, and 
what a beautiful sight it is to see people at Bethlehem Assembly of God giving of their time, taking a week off, and serving in Cuba, serving so that people can have a church. And that, that same building that we just started there a couple of years ago, I, I, I'm in that picture. I was at that, I, I was out on this trip right here. Let me see where I am. Oh, there I am, right there. You see, there, like, sitting down right there. That's me. It's, like, it's my foot. I could see it. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's just wonderful to see when a group of people set their mind to do something. And, and this group of people that have been going to Cuba, they built four churches already. Because, you see, we serve better together. We serve better together because we all have gifts and passions and abilities. And when we come together... God is so glorified. I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together. Wow. And working together. We have a code blue. We need to raise our level of Sunday school for our kids, raise our children's church ministry and we're having an orientation right after the third service here at Bethlehem Assembly of God at 2.15. And we need you to come. Why? Because we're better together. And if we wholeheartedly work together, we can close the gap. And we can see our young people taught and trained the way they should be. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes all to every one of us as he wills. And so there are many benefits to serving God together instead of by yourself. We compensate for each other's weaknesses. We're so much more efficient. We're so much more complete. We're so much more powerful. And we're so much more productive when we work together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Wow, powerful. Fourthly, we reach out better together. We reach out better together. I want you to listen to this verse, this, this incredible verse in Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Listen to what Paul the apostle tells the church. He says, above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. You must live in such a way that you bring honor to the good news about Jesus Christ. So the way we live our life brings honor to the gospel, right? But I want you to notice what he says after that. He says, then whether I visit you or not, I will hear that all of you think alike. There again, think alike. Now, now are you saying, Pastor Steve, are you talking about uniformity? Are you saying that we can't ever have a, an opinion? No, I'm not saying that. What he's saying is, is the word of God is the basis to everything we, we believe and, and think about. And as we gather around the word, we're going to be in agreement with one another. Now, listen, there are things in the Bible that we're not going to totally, totally, 100% understand until we get to heaven. I, I've talked about it several times already. Calvinism and Arminianism. You know, predestination. God choosing versus free will. I'm going to tell you right now. Anyone who goes to an extreme on either side is going to get into heresy. And so there's a fine tension between all of that. And it's not saying that we shouldn't dig into the word and learn it and grow in it and learn it and grow and keep on learning and growing. But God's word is so deep. God's word is so profound. 
God's word is so whole. And by the way, context is king. Whenever you read the Bible, you have to read it in its context. Because if you don't read it in its context, you're going to get into heresy. And that's why we've got a lot of cults today, because they don't read it in context. They take a scripture, they take this scripture out of context, and they make a doctrine around that scripture. They can even take several scriptures and make a doctrine around scriptures instead of around the context and the understanding of who God was speaking to, why he was speaking, and what the promises are, and how they apply to us personally. Do you understand that? Context is king. Just a little, little side note here, really critically important when we look at the word. But the truth is that all of us in this room, we're going to be able to study the word. We're going to be able to see the word. And sometimes we're going to not going to totally agree on everything that we read together. And so here, how do we deal with that? On the essentials, we're in total agreement. On the non-essentials, there's liberty. What do I mean by that? There are, there are essential doctrines of the scripture that we cannot deviate from and we cannot disagree about. If you come to me and tell me there's another way to heaven, I will disagree with you. In fact, Paul the Apostle says, do not entertain that. Don't even let that teaching be in your home. Okay? If you tell me that the Bible is not the inerrant, infallible word of God, I cannot agree with that. I cannot stand with you. Now, if you tell me uh, maybe some customs or things in the scriptures that are not so much eternal things, but there may be customs or maybe things that, you know, freedoms that one Christian may have versus another Christian. That's where we have respect, we honor one another, and we pray it through. We pray it through, and we allow God to open our hearts to see what he's saying about these things, right? We stay open and humble, all right? So that leads me to the next point, and that's that we learn and grow better together. We learn and grow better together. I want you to notice what Moses does. Moses actually calls the people together. He calls everybody together. And he says, this is what God is saying to the whole community. This is what God is saying to all of us. And I want you to gather your sons and your daughters. I want you to gather everyone together in one assembly because I've, I've heard from the Lord and I need to share it with the whole family. Now, my mom was a single parent. My dad died when I was four years old. She was 28 years old. My mom worked 12 hours every day. She worked really, really hard, but she came home and she made sure that she made a meal and we all sat down to dinner together. Let me encourage you as a family to do that as many times as you can. Now, I know kids get older. They go to college and all of that stuff. My kids, we're still having dinner whenever we can together. You know why? Because that's when we sit down and sup together and that's when Papa is able to sit with my kids and tell them, I love you, I care about you, what's happening in your life, tell me what's happening, and pour into their lives, right? And so Moses, he gathers the people together. I want you to notice what he says in Deuteronomy. He said, remember the day you stood before me and the Lord, or before the Lord at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn and fear me all the days of their life on the earth. Deuteronomy 5. Then Moses summoned all of Israel together. Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinance which I speak today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. Deuteronomy 31. Assemble the people, the men and the women and the children and the alien and the alien, you know, who? who's in your town so that they may hear and learn the fear of the Lord 
and carefully observe all the words of the law. Paul said the best way we learn is we learn being together. And that's why the Holy Spirit has really directed me that we're going to go deeper in education at Bethlehem Assembly of God. I believe that in the next several years, we're going to develop such a system of education in our church. And we're going to take it one step at a time. Don't go ahead of us. Don't get impatient. But stay with it. In fact, if you are such a good teacher, join the team. If you know the word so proficiently, join the team. We're going to be teaching here. All teaching is going to flow out of Grow University. Why? Because it's my responsibility as the shepherd of this church to make sure that what's getting taught is accurate, it's in its context, and it brings unity and not division to the body of Christ. I've seen way too many little Bible studies go rogue on us, you know, people who think they know better than the pastors. You know, and that's just not, that, that's dangerous. Don't ever put yourself in a place. Listen to me. If a man or a woman cannot be loyal and faithful to their church through and through, not with what they only say, but what they don't say, then you need to run like the house is on fire. Because that person is going to lead you into deception, or at least into division. And that's not the body of Christ. And so, we're so excited about Grow University. And we're going to expand Grow University on Wednesdays and maybe Thursdays or Tuesday nights so that we can offer a, a bunch of classes with a bunch of teachers that are committed to one another, who love one another, who are loyal and faithful to one another, getting together, sitting together, and really sometimes even kind of going back and forth. Well, what does the Word of God say about that? But when there is people and leadership there, when there are godly people who are committed to the body of Christ, you can be assured of this one thing. We're going to come out with a great answer. Why? Because we're going to do it together. One of the things that I value so much about my staff is that I've got great people around me. Pastor Henry, my senior associate. Anytime there's a question about anything, I go to Pastor Henry, Pastor Tony, Pastor Glenn, Vinny, Nami. We, we meet together. Listen to me. I want to tell you something. You should be glad about this. Your leadership and your pastors meet every day, unless we're off, we meet every single day for one hour of praying and reading the word together in its context because we want to learn and we want to grow. And let me tell you, they teach me as much as I teach them. Aren't you glad that you have a group of leaders that get together all the time? We're praying together. We're together. We are together. And we're going to stay together no matter what happens because that's the will of God for us. Amen? Paul the Apostle tells us, Brothers, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that we have for you. So we learn better together. And lastly, we just simply do life better together. Let me read Ecclesiastes chapter 4 one more time. And Vinny or Namit's going to come in a minute. And they're going to share something with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Let me read it in the message paraphrase. Listen, shh, 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 carefully. It is better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work and share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, it's tough. Two in a bed warm each other, only if they're married. You shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. By, un by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you could face the worst. 
Can you round up a third, a three-stranded rope? It's easier to do that because when you do that, then a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Listen to me. We were never, ever meant to do life by ourselves. Young man, you were never meant to serve God all by yourself. Young lady, dad, mom, whoever you are in this room, you were never, ever meant to do this life without your community. And if you're not involved in Grow University and you're not involved in one groups and you're just coming on Sunday morning, we, we, listen to me. Look, look at me right now. We're not doing life right now. We're, we're not doing life right now. What we're doing is a sermon right now. We're not doing life. This is not life. This is you listening. I know some of you, you would love to do life in this sanctuary. You'd like clock the door and give me three meals. I'm staying right here. I don't want to face the world. But that's not how the world works. Tomorrow morning, you're going to do life when you get up. And some of you, you're going to go to a boss that does not like you. You're going to go to a place that's totally unchristian. You're going to go to a place where you're feeling the pressure of the philosophies and, and the counter biblical culture that is pressing down on us every single day of our life. Tomorrow, some of you are going to go to the doctor and get a bad report. I'm not prophesying over it. I'm just telling you that that's life. That's what's going to happen. For some of us, we're going to have a situation that's going to overwhelm us. Some of you are going to go home this afternoon to an unbeliever, to a person that resents you because you love Jesus with all your heart. Some of you are going to go home and there's going to be a son or a daughter at home and they're hooked on drugs, whatever it may be. And I'm not, again, I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I'm telling you some of you are in it right now. And you can't do life all by yourself. You need somebody to fight with you. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to cry with you. You need somebody to laugh with you. You need somebody to pull you out of the, 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 the war that you're in right now and make sure that you don't get left behind. Because there's only one way we do this Christian life. We do it together. I want you to watch this, and Vinny and Amita are going to come right after you see this. I really wanted to open up a one group, and I just didn't know where to start. It turned out that we were actually starting to do the prayer weeks, and I just decided to put myself out there. I knew I had two women that I knew, plus all the children. I felt like, hey, you know what? That'll be our one group. When we actually started the one group, more women gathered with us from the church, and it was just an absolute amazing time. With our prayer petitions and everything that we had going on, we were able to start a community. We were able to be part of each other's lives, and it was so amazing. Even now, months later, we remember the prayers that we had. We remember the things that we were going through and how God, even now, months later, is answering those requests and is showing us just how strong and how powerful He is in our lives. If this is something that's in your heart and you just don't know where to start, it's just opening our hearts, opening our homes, and walking in obedience, knowing that when we make Him part of every single thing we do, everything will work out and His glory and His grace will shine through.
my brother, who is also wearing a black shirt, his name is Vinny, he is the youth director here, and we want to encourage you and challenge you and hopefully allow you to see God's invitation for you this summer and being a part of the small group series that we're going to be doing, either as a host or as a participant, and both are equally as important, and we encourage and challenge you to hear God as he speaks to you uh, through what we're going to say, and, and before we get into the details, uh, I was thinking a lot about this morning, and I was thinking a lot about the small group campaign and a lot about the content that's in the book uh, that we've been able to compile, and for some reason, the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine kept going through my head. And so I decided, um, well, God, you gave me a passage that exists. And so I'm going to read it and I'm going to just draw from it and hear you in it. And what was striking to me was when Jesus asks the servants, hey, go fill these jugs with water and bring them back. And I thought to myself, well, that's a pretty easy task. That's pretty normal. I've got a couple of jugs in my house, and I've got a sink, and I can fill that up in about five minutes, and boom, you know, I've got an instant miracle. And the more and more I began to look into the Eastern mindset, and, and the more that I looked into the ancient world, uh, I realized how wrong I was. The jugs that they used were not these little things that we take out, we get from Party City. They were huge clay things that filled upon tens of, of, tens of gallons of water. And when Jesus says, go and fill them up, they're not taking them to the backyard hose. They're not taking them to the neighbor's sink. They had to take them to a well so that they could be filled with water. What I thought was going to be an instant task actually turned out to be something that was incredibly mundane and oftentimes really boring. And yet, the end result of that is a miracle. And when I looked at my spiritual life, I realized how often I celebrate the instantaneous fills I realize how much I, I, I celebrate and strive after. God, I just want to feel you in this moment. I just want you to change my situation before I'm even done praying. God, I just want you to show up before I've even asked. And I think God works in those ways, right? I think God answers the prayers of our hearts that sometimes we don't even pray. I think God moves sometimes when we don't have the words and sometimes when we don't have the strength to pursue him. God works in the instantaneous and we celebrate him for that. But I think sometimes we overemphasize the instantaneous work of God and we, re and, and we reject and neglect the mundane work, the ordinary work, the boring work. You see, when we look at the, 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 the summer campaign that we're going to be doing, there are going to be some moments where you read through the material. There are going to be some moments where you gather in a group. There are going to be some moments where you pray and meet God, and you're just going to get it in a second, and that's great, and we want to celebrate that. But then there are going to be other moments where you're tempted to reject community. There are going to be other moments where you're tempted, just, this is too much for me. This is just, I'm not, I'm not getting anything. God, I'm not receiving you in this moment, so I'm just going to abandon this wholeheartedly. And my encouragement to you and my challenge to you is don't do that. Pastor Rich Velotas, he is the uh, senior pastor of New Life Fellowship in Elmhurst, Queens. He talks about a couple of spiritual diets that we have. The first one he talks about is the fast food diet, where all we want is an instant fill. All we want is immediate satisfaction. All we want is something quick and convenient, and we're on our merry way, not knowing how that's going to affect us later on. Unfortunately, so many of us in the church, we operate that way. We just want something quick. We want something convenient. And if we're not a fast food person, we might be a sweet tooth person. We want what tastes good. We want what feels good. We want the presence of God to transform our situation. But this idea of mundane work, this idea of, of the day-to-days, this idea of praying and not hearing an immediate answer, the idea of walking through something and not feeling like God is there, uh, that must not be God. That must be the enemy. The book that we've been able to get together come from uh, people whose voices represent 
that, that, that thing. People that represent God working in the moment and encouraging you to seek after that. But also God working through the day-to-days. Pastor Henry has written a few and, and there's just such a beautiful understanding that God can work right now, but he can also work later on. That he's also going to work through the days as they build up to God working in your life. And so my encouragement to you and my challenge to you is when you get the material, when you get in a group, expect God to move, but expect him to take some time as well. We really believe that there's something for everyone in this book. And it's awesome because it's, this book is Bethlehem. We made this book. This is not from anybody else. It looks beautiful. It's well done. And the people who are on staff here and who serve here are the ones who wrote it. And we believe every single person who reads this book is going to walk away with something. But it incorporates everything that we need for the summer. We're going to take two months as a church and go through this. I know that we're doing it as youth ministry on Fridays. I know Namit's doing it as the young adult ministry on Sundays. I know some of the children's ministry have already asked for copies of the book a month ago to start working on how are we going to communicate this to our children. And so as a church, we're all going to go through it together. and has everything we need starting on Sunday. Sunday, we have a spot in the book for you to take notes of the sermon. It's right here. You don't need to put it anywhere else. Right here with you every week. Bring this book and you will be able to take notes. The next five days we have a daily devotional, a self-assessment, and then three breakout teachings based on that main teaching that we're going to talk about. There's five days worth of devotional. And then the last day of the week, right, that's five. One for Sunday is six. The seventh day of the week we have uh, small group questions that we prepared. And so what we want to do is learn together. There's uh, a really cool quote that I heard in a sermon one time, which is real confusing when you first hear it, but if you think about it uh, just deeply enough, you'll understand just how important it is. And it really echoes a lot of what Pastor Steve talked about, the blessing of doing things together. And he says, you can't one another one another unless you have another to one another. Yeah, you can't do the things that Jesus tells us we ought to do. Encourage one another. You can't do that to another person unless you have another person to do it with. And so we believe as a church that that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into groups of people we know or people we don't know, and we're going to grow together, and we're going to encourage one another, and we're going to do things together. And so we have multiple ways of doing that. One, if you're in a one group and you host a one group for the summer, this is what we're doing. We want to meet once a week and talk about the discussion questions. Each week will be on one of the Beatitudes for eight weeks. If you, if you don't have a one group, if, you're, if you want to host a one group, maybe you have... Um, you know, some talents, maybe you have some resources, maybe you're just really hospitable, uh, maybe you're just gifted in, like, the art of being able to chill with somebody. That's my claim to fame because I don't have music talents. So when we go away, I'm like, hey, if you guys don't have music talents, you may be blessed in the art of chilling. Some people need that, right? That's a talent that you can come and bring people together. You're just somebody people like to be around. And so you can bring people together and you can host a one group. Maybe you just have space. Man, our church is packed out constantly and we don't have space for everybody. So we need people who have resources, a house, maybe just a cool coffee shop to go meet in. There's so many opportunities. You can do this group anywhere and you can host it. And so if you don't know what you're doing, we want to get you prepared for what you're doing. We have a card. It's in the back of the seat in front of you. We've printed 800 of these. We haven't gotten 800 back, so I know they're around. And there's some more out on the table as we sell the books. If you're looking to host a group and you have some of those things, you can bless somebody and be a part of their journey. Just fill out this card this Wednesday night. We're going to do our gatherers meeting for our one groups. And we're going to do a short training on what to look for to do, how to do this better, how to be successful, how to recruit a team. If you are not in a group but you want to be in a group, we have a card for that as well. 
And so we have a card if you want to be placed in a group, maybe you want a certain demographic. Maybe you want to be with young adults. Maybe you want to be in a group where kids are, uh, are allowed to come, where I can bring my little ones and they can hang out. We have options for that. And this is at that table outside as well if you buy a book. Uh, you can fill this out. It's just your contact stuff, what day of the week works for you to meet and what demographic you're looking for. And we're going to try to get you plugged into a group that meets uh, your needs best. But we want to do this together. And so after service, if outside, right by the tent off to the right side of church, uh, we have our table there. We're going to be selling books after service for $10 a piece. Don't miss the opportunity. Grab a book. Uh, we do have a limited supply, so make sure you get them today. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. People say to me sometimes, Pastor, I can be a Christian all by myself. That is biblically wrong. Because if you stay by yourself and you ask yourself a question and you answer the question, the question will probably be yes in your eyes. If you're in, if you in a group of people and you ask that same question, they'll say, you out of your mind. That does not what the Bible says. That's how you save yourselves from getting into error, by being able to fellowship with one another. You say you want to grow in your spiritual life, here's the opportunity. Now, we understand that in the middle of all this summer, there's going to be vacations, and people are going to go away for vacations, but you can always come back. In fact, you are coming back. Do you understand me? And so if you're coming back, you can be, you can be in a group and come back and join the group when you come. So you can't say, well, I'm going to be away for two weeks. I don't want to go into a group. No, go into a group. Go into a group and then come back and join the group. Do you, do you understand? Or I won't, get, I won't be able to go to the end of the group. It doesn't matter. As long as you find fellowship with other people and grow with other people so that you become strong. We want a church that is built with people that know the Lord, not just excited about the things of the Spirit, but they are excited about the knowledge of the Word and they walk in truth and they don't walk in a lie. So I'm going to close up the service tonight, uh, this, uh, this afternoon, and I'm going to go run to the back, and I'm going to be directing people to the tent. It's $10. You say, Pastor, I don't have $10. Ask someone right next to you. Just borrow their $10. I'll give it to you next Sunday when I come back. Do you understand me? But we can do this thing together, and it's exciting when you do it together. It's exciting when you do it together. When you think you know it all, that's when we get into trouble. And by the way, if for some reason that you are not able to get into a group, we will open the church on Wednesday nights and there will be groups here. I will be here. But the real fun of getting into groups is being able to meet people at McDonald's or, no, not, not McDonald's, uh, uh, Panera Bread, Panera Bread, yes, healthy. Do you understand? Uh, uh, Hagen-Dash, no, no, that's not a good place to meet either. Uh, 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 but all those places, you can meet people anywhere. You may say, well, it's just me and, and my boyfriend. Oh, Jesus, that's what be a good time to study together. Do you understand? It may be me and my girlfriend or me and this or this and just get two people or three people, but do it together. Go get a book. Go through the reading. Bring your book every Sunday. See, when you come on Sunday now in the summer, we'll see if you have the book or not because the sermons are related to the book. And this can be a fun time. Listen to me. Living the Christian life can be fun. It can be fun if you're doing it with other people. So let me bless you. And you go out and have a smashing day and a smashing week. And, and, and then you go get your books. And we'll see you guys all through the summer. And we'll have a marvelous time. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
Thank you for this wonderful congregation. Thank you for the people of this church that are hungry to learn, to grow, and to expand their knowledge of the Word. Thank you that they want to get into relationships with other people. Thank you they want to be into ministry and serving with one another. Thank you that they want to know more of you and learn of you so that the miracles of God will continue to flow in their lives. And so as we go out, Lord, may we have this patience, may we have the love of God flowing through us, and may everything we do this summer just bring glory to your name. So have your way. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, God bless you. We'll meet you outside. Go get your book, and we'll have a great summer.